Hey, how you doing? And welcome in. It's a new week. It's Sports Talk. Kicking it off here with Scott Beatty. That's me. And he's back. Evan Kahn. Back in the fold. We carry you till 5. We'll pass the baton to the award-winning News Gazette sports writers and host Steve Kelly for the second hour of the program up till 6 o'clock. White Sox off today. We'll bring them back on the airwaves tomorrow. It was getting late in the week, and Allie Adams and I were just kind of looked at each other. I kept just saying, when's that Evan kid coming back? (laughs) You know, it's kind of like, don't take this the wrong way. You know, first day, if I, you know, my wife leaves the house with the kids or whatever, go and take them up to grandma's or something. Hey, I got a day to myself. You know, the second day, it's like, oh, okay, I got to do a few things here. (laughs) Third, fourth day, okay, when is everyone coming back? Now I'm getting tired of this. Yeah, yeah. So welcome back. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, I I, I do feel like I I am a glue guy of sorts around these parts, so I can understand that. And yeah, the the same analogy, you know, it's kind of like after a a breakup, you're good for the first couple of days, and then you're like, well, what the heck (laughs) was I really really missing there I, I i think i see it now so i i'm glad Baby, that come back I, I have a great story about that sometime but um no no it's it's good to be back I, i'm glad that that you missed me a little bit and it, it was the perfect time i i think to to take off not that it was a, a slow sports week there was plenty going on as far as baseball but otherwise it was slow but in a sense that no, we I, got a tip time for illinois ucla so that was kind of some big news that that is some some big news Eight thirty. Uh, basketball always staying in the headlines even though football season's right around the corner but it was is a it? perfect reset right before because we've got media days this week for football and then, you know, next week we're going to turn the calendar to August, and by the end of it we're going to be having college football here once again. Big Ten Media Days will launch tomorrow. We will hear what Kevin Warren has to say or not say as commissioner of the Big Ten, and half of the football teams will be speaking, being represented tomorrow, and then the other seven will be Wednesday, including Illinois. We will be there. We will talk with Brett Bielma. We will talk with Illinois players see who else comes along. Brian Barnhart will be holding things down early in the morning. I'll be there to help, and then uh, we will bring you plenty of coverage for Sports Talk in the afternoon. And, uh, yeah, the two uh, Brown twins, Chase Brown, Sidney Brown, along with Quan Martin, Jartavius Martin, if you are wanting to be formal, uh, <laughs> will represent Illinois on Wednesday, I don't know what we'll find out tomorrow from Kevin Warren. I'm banking on not much. Maybe the, in his defense, there might not be much to share. No, that That's kind of what, what I'm thinking. UCLA and USC aren't going to be in the Big Ten next week. It's still two years in a week away. So that is a story, but maybe not so much. Like you said, what, what kind of details are there really with this far out? Not so much as far as COVID things to, to talk about or, or him to deal with as far as that goes. So maybe it's just more pleasantries. Nice to, to see you once again. And there will be those kinds of questions, but otherwise not a whole lot really looking to get answered. You know, the the media deal is the big question in the immediate and and 
we had a media gathering today and uh, at least one colleague was speculating maybe we'll hear about the Fox Network portion of the media deal since the Big Ten's part of that whole thing. And they will announce that part part and say, hey, the rest is still being sorted out. Whether ESPN or NBC or Amazon or Apple or <laughs> I don't know, Tubi Hulu. Yeah, whoever you want. <laughs> uh, will be or DWS. Who knows? Maybe we're putting our hat in the ring. Um, all, all that uh, to be determined. There, of course, when it comes to this merger, hey, you know, what are divisions going to look like, or or, or scheduling going to look like, or are, are any more teams coming? And I suspect the answer is going to be we don't know, or we're good for now, <laughs> that kind of stuff. But nonetheless, it won't stop us from all asking questions. And then there's also you know actual football that is one month and two days from today. So Illinois media day for the Big Ten will actually be one month from kickoff against the Wyoming Cowboys. <laughs> so at some point, we'll actually start talking about all of that as well. Yeah, sooner sooner than you think. I was surprised to see that neither of the Brown twins had been over to media days since being at the U of I. I, I realize Chase came in a, as a transfer, but Sydney's been a, a four-year starter, and him getting to go over there, that'll be cool. Quan Martin, a, a kind of an under-the-radar guy who has been a, a – contributor the whole time that he's been at Illinois and Chase Brown's made practically every watch list that you can as a running back so far so he, he'll be a, a good headliner for the Illini and if you're looking for something to talk about once once training camp gets here you know there's going to be all kinds of over analysis with that so, <laughs> yeah so and don't for worry what, for what you can analyze which is uh, typically not much on a fairly closed training camp and we went back and forth on this last week I'm not as one who wants to bring as much as we can to those who have interest in Illinois football, that's a bit frustrating on the flip side. I understand. Mm -hmm. I'm not really, uh, I don't, I, I, I understand exactly why coaches do that. And Illinois is not the only one that keeps things closed off as we talked a few times last week. I don't know if you heard that uh, it, Iowa was having a, a baseball event at their stadium Okay. Which, uh, if you're in the upper part of the seating bowl there, you can see into the grass practice area for oh. Iowa football, and they made announcements saying, please don't look. Don't, don't turn around. <laughs> <laughs> please keep your eyes forward at <laughs> yeah. all times. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that, that worked to a T. I'm sure uh, <laughs> it was a brilliant play. Because people don't care about football in Iowa, right? I mean, it's just an afterthought. <laughs> exactly. So speaking of football, today is Brett Bielma's golf outing with the quarterback club folks and, and what have you over at Atkins. And even though he's going to talk with us on Wednesday, he held a little media availability today ahead of hitting the ball around. A little bit of update from Coach B. So many indicators every day that would come across that just get you excited about uh, the growth that we've had from a year ago to this year. Um not really talking about the growth of the players, just things, uh, the expectations, uh, the rule this year to be able to be engaged with our players uh, during the course of the summer on the field with a football. Um, that part was really unique and entertaining and, and, and I think really good for the transitional players, the freshmen that hadn't been here uh, before to get on the grass with our coaches this summer has been has been huge. Uh, almost have our entire roster here. I think we're waiting on uh, one more guy to officially be admitted into school and then we'll be at our, our roster for fall camp. and. Uh, excited for that. I've got media days coming up here on Wednesday. Uh, I've got three guys uh, between uh, Quan and the Brown brothers. Very excited to get those guys, let them have the opportunity to get over in front of Indy, uh, in front of the media, and, and show what they've been uh, seeing and witnessing themselves. 
And health of the team? There's really two guys. Sean Miller is kind of in the, the final stages of clearance from his uh, injury in the spring. Um, but really, other than that, um, uh, we have, unfortunately, um, uh, T. Rod Edwards, who had an incredible summer going, unfortunately, tweaked uh, uh, his knee just uh, about two weeks ago. So he had a, a minor procedure that he'll be right up to about uh, probably two weeks out from game, somewhere in that ballpark. So not not considerable amount of time, but uh, obviously uh, uh, was – uh, extremely disappointed for him, uh, but had an incredible summer, really changed his body and, and, and done a lot of positive things. So uh, excited to get him back sooner than later. But he'll, the way the NCAA rule works with this thing, we actually have to cut our roster down to 110. We carry a 118-man roster now. Um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, the NCAA still has us get it down to 110. That rule got implemented about 20 years ago, and for whatever reason, they don't want to change it. Uh, but he'll be in our 110 count because we're so – uh, sure that he's going to be back with us in, in game week. All right, by my count coming in today, and with the t- with two transfers announced, I'd got him at one twenty. I think different sources this, had of him in different amounts. Whatever, there, there's probably a couple of guys gone that we don't know about or something like that. But they're going to have to chop down a little bit. And chop down as far as if a guy gets redshirted, is he not counted towards that? You're asking uh, questions I ask myself. Yeah. I don't know the ins and outs, but I assume, or maybe walk-ons are cut. Walk-ons get cut. That that would make more sense. I can't imagine they get up to August 1st and they say, hey, by the way, you don't have a scholarship next year. So, um, Yeah, that, that'd, be, that'd be bad. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see who gets trimmed down. Uh, shout outs uh, from Brett Bielma today. If you're curious about depth charts, of course, that's that's held pretty mum. <laughs> but he did highlight a bit of Rashawn Wilkins, the transfer from Vanderbilt on the defensive line. And of course, with T-Raw Edwards, at least on the shelf, maybe that uh, moves him up a little bit. And Michael Marques, along with Tip Ryman, only accidentally referred to him as Tip O'Neill <laughs> for a moment. So it went back to a random 80s politician, oh, <laughs> former I was Speaker say, of the that, House. That name doesn't ring a bell yeah. with me. Uh, he was big in the you know the Reagan era. Uh, <laughs> I remember it fondly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so there's a couple of names that uh, there. Uh, Gabe, ya- Gabe Aukis uh, on the freshman side of the outside linebacking position. Mm. He also made a made a point to mention as well. And uh, two tight ends that are freshmen in Henry Boyer and uh, Navin Cargill. I I don't want you to read too much into it, but when a head coach happens to mention younger guys that you might presume are down the depth chart, maybe they're not as far down. We'll see. I, I notice, if anything, I think you listed off four tight ends there, and that's what we've been hearing for years and years. So maybe they are looking to finally get some more tight ends involved on the offensive side. And, and you bring up outside linebacker. I, I was a little surprised. Of course, they throw all kinds of names on these watch lists, but a, a possible X factor, somebody we only got to see for two quarters last year, Calvin Hart Jr. added to the Buckus watch list somebody in those two quarters you know got got himself a a touchdown on the defensive side you got really excited and and then we didn't get to see any more now he's being considered among possibly the best linebackers in college football that would be uh quite quite an an unexpected maybe not unexpected but I don't know if people had him listed that highly regarded going into the summer yeah I, I look it, it can't hurt that he's on this watch list they, they're they're not they're hardly worth the paper they're printed on other than it creates some buzz and some talking points but it does highlight that 
hey, this player might be actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not usually guys that aren't going to be some contributors in some way or a, a, another. So maybe something to watch. Yeah, Calvin Hart on the Butkus Award watch list. Of course, Illinois had a Butkus Award winner, but you got to go back to 1994-1995 last time that happened. But I do expect that he and Tariq Barnes – We'll lead things there in the middle. Mm-hmm. But we'll see, see who else e- emerges uh, with all of that. So that is uh, some of what's going on. How was your Wrigley Field excursion oh, this it, time around? It was awesome. I'm glad, and maybe we'll get we will. I mean, we've got a lot of show left, so we'll probably talk some baseball. But oh, yeah. went into it thinking maybe it, it could be Wilson Contreras' last game at, at Wrigley Field. Luckily, it looks like these next couple against the Pirates will be that. But uh, we were just really looking forward to that. Got to go see. I, I don't know if I've ever been to a Cubs game with my family. And, and so we had the whole fam bam there. The niece and nephew got to see their first game at, at Wrigley Field. You got a, a, a go-ahead run in the bottom of the eighth, so everybody was into it. Didn't rain. It, it sprinkled a little bit, but we stayed hidden, and it was a little gloomy. But how old the niece and nephew? Uh, how how old are they? Yeah. Two and one. Oh, and okay. So they were and no, they no problem whatsoever. Oh yeah. The niece slept right through all the excitement towards the end. We're all hooping and hollering. She's sound asleep in my sister's arms, and and, and the nephew was cheering along with us, even though he didn't know what he was cheering for. So it was a, it was a good time. Yeah, we do have some baseball to get into. Of course, the uh, Juan Soto Derby is is firing up right now. Uh, prospects, outlooks for the two teams contending of interest here locally mm-hmm. and what the Cubs may do here as they uh, want to go make moves for the long-term future. That is some of what we'll dive into next. Also got some more from Brett Bielma and the News Gazette sports writers are in the 5 o'clock hour. This is Sports Talk. Big Ten today announced it's football preseason honors selecting five players from the East Division, which is still a thing, the East Division, and f- uh, five from the West. No Illini represented. The lone unanimous selection is, you guessed it, Ohio State's C.J. Stroud. Uh, from the West, Iowa's linebacker Jake, uh, excuse me, Jack Campbell, uh, not to be confused with Jacob Campbell, uh, the Illinois baseball player, Northwestern's outside tackle, offensive tackle, that is Peter Skaronski, Purdue's quarterback Aiden O'Connell, Wisconsin running back Braylon Allen, Wisconsin outside linebacker Nick Herbig, hmm. representing from the West. Michigan has running back Blake Corum, Michigan State's wide receiver Jaden Reed, Ohio State running back Trayvon Travion Henderson, Ohio State's wide receiver. Jackson Smith Jigba? Mm. Yep. Say it with confidence. I know. And and Ohio State's C.J. Stroud. Uh, Ohio State has three on. uh, They're just. They're going to be. They're going to win it again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Michigan had their thing, and Ohio State's going to win it again. Yeah, you you win one game at, at the big house, and that's a disappointing season for Ohio State, but they were the more talented team last year, and it just didn't end up with the most wins. They're still the most talented team this year, and yeah, they should probably win all their games. Headline on CBSSports.com, and this may differ from a headline you read on another site. Juan Soto trade rumors. Cardinals emerge as potential front runner. They should. 
Nationals want four to five top young players. We talked about it last week, and it seemed like maybe Juan Soto is just too much for the Cardinals. No, no. The, if you have a chance to go get a generational talent, you explore all avenues possible to go get that generational talent. I mean, this is Albert Pujols 2.0, right? Exactly. From the left side, 23, and, and they have the guys to do it. And this has kind of been the Cardinals thing for about the last decade or so. They've got a system that continually brings up major league talent. What it doesn't do is bring up major league superstars. The last superstar they developed 22 years ago in Albert Pujols, and he was arguably 23 coming out of community college whenever he made his debut. So I don't even know if you you count that. But when you look at the roster as it stands, you've got two cornerstones in their 30s on the wrong side of 30. There's just no right side of 30, honestly. When you're there, (laughs) you've got to go for it right now and they've got a collection of young talent that hasn't quite proven to be superstars but you know who has proven to be a superstar Juan Juan Soto Soto. yeah so if you if you are legitimately going for it which the Cardinals claim to do every year right they they don't they don't sell off but they don't really go all in so to that extent I don't know if the Cardinals do it but when you look at the things, the players that they can give the Nationals and what you get back, I, I think it's a, a no-brainer. And as soon as I saw that Juan Soto could possibly be on the trade block, if I'm John Mosellock, I'm ringing up Mike Rizzo and I say, what do you want? Because, honestly, there ain't a, a guy on that roster that I wouldn't want more than Juan Soto. Absolutely. And the Cardinals could use another starter. I I don't know if Patrick and Corbin really sus- – I mean, it's presumed that he will go with Juan Soto. And that lines up perfectly. Again, you, you know, if you bring on Corbin, then you say, okay, we're, we're, we're taking this money off of your books. We're not going to give you X prospect. Or if you say, okay, you eat some of this money and you get a half-price Patrick Corbin and you still give up those prospects. Now you've solved your starting pitching issue, kind of. You put a Band-Aid over it. And you've added one of the best hitters in the world to your lineup to put right between Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. Now, this morning I'm reading about the Padres' interest, and I know, well, who isn't interested in Juan Soto? Everybody should be calling yes. Mike Rizzo. But among legit suitors, you know, I don't know what sells Soto besides the bottom line. If that's if it's just a bidding war, if it's just the money, <laughs> you know, that's that is what it is. But in terms of where he wants to be, does he want to be in? In, in, in San Diego and be in the middle there with whatever order you want to put him with Tatis and, and uh, uh, the other Machado. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, you, do you want to be in the – do you want to be Hollywood and go to the Dodgers? I mean, there's it should be illegal to have as much talent <laughs> as the Dodgers already have. Uh, of course, the Yankees and the Mets are reportedly interested. Mm-hmm. The Mariners? The Mariners are always have found these generational talents. Yeah. They have found – Super. They've not always usually had enough around around them, but mm-hmm. you know, name me a time when there's not been a much of a t- window where the Mariners haven't had somebody on their roster that will eventually be in the Hall of Fame, <laughs> which is which is crazy considering they've got the longest playoff drought in yeah. major sports. <laughs> um, but yeah, you you have Soto in there with Goldschmidt and Arenado, and 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 the rest of that lineup. If the pitching comes around, I mean, the, the Cardinals, 
I don't know if anyone can take around the Dodgers this year, but the Cardinals could be well positioned for the future. Well, yeah, yeah. It's not a, it, it is a win now move, but it's also a win next year and win yeah. the year after that as well. So you're not going all in for a, a two month rental. Once again, still might be worth it if you need a guy to put you over the edge. But to, to invest in this guy, whatever prospect hall it, it, it takes to get him, I, I mean, it, it automatically transforms your lineup. I, I was looking at his numbers just this week. He's walking over 20% of the time he strikes out less than 15 percent of the time he's got one of the best slugging numbers in the league and yeah you've got two right handers that needs a, a left hander to split it up and you just the collection of talent right they just there's so many different ways that's why it's so tough to do trade proposals from the outside because you don't know how the nationals evaluate the prospects that the cardinals have but you look one through ten in their prospects you you look at yapez you look at carlson you look at bader you look at edmund gorman i mean all of these guys they've got so many guys that still aren't one soto so you can you can take them all if we can take this guy. And as much as a Cubs fan probably shouldn't want to see Juan Soto in a Cardinals uniform, if I'm a Cardinals fan, it's go get me Juan Soto. Yeah, it's going to cost you $500 million, but so what? It could get you Even, into the World Series. Well, in the little bit I caught on MLB Network this morning, some teams could get creative. You mentioned the Mariners. The Indians are a crafty team where, sure, it's going to take a lot to get him, but You've got him for two and a half years. You're probably not going to extend him, but you've got those three World Series to go for. Or you get to two years from now and he turns into a rental, you could still get a pretty good return from him there as well. Or if you're the Cardinals and you don't want to give him $500 million, at least you said you went for it in your last two, three years, good years with Arenado and Goldschmidt, and you actually gave it your best effort. Because I think if the Cardinals look back at this last decade, it's like, we were just one guy short here or there. Now, as for the Cubs, my question is, is who do you want to be part of your future? And my big, I think Wilson Contreras is gone. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you can make an argument that he should be part of your future, but he's gone. Mm -hmm. But what do you do with Ian Happ? Okay, because here's a guy that cried that he made the all-star team, has represented the Cubs pretty well, as, as well as anybody and is playing his best baseball in his career. I don't know what it means for him for next year or in the next two, three years. So is it time Is it time to move him and, and just work for the – I mean, just call it a total – oh, we can't say rebuild, right? But it is <laughs> – <laughs> I don't know what I, – I just don't know what you would do with Ian Happ because if I'm uh, Jed Hoyer, I'm man, I love you, and, and you're our guy, and let's lock you down. We're not letting you leave. Or is it, man, I love you, you're our guy, and business is business? That's that's kind of the question where you're at, what you said at the start. It's like, who are we going to build around? When I look at it, Ian Happ really coming into his own as a 28-year-old switch hitter, that sounds like a guy you would want for the next four, five, six years to, to build around, sign him to an extension, keep him around. I, I, think, I wouldn't call him a superstar, but a core piece. Yes, yes, 100%. But 
I think because of circumstances with injuries for the Cubs this year, they went into the year, Drew Smiley, who pitched yesterday, he could still get dealt at the deadline, but he's been hurt for half of the first half. Wade Miley, they brought in on a one-year deal, was hurt the majority of the first half. Guys that you were going to flip to keep adding to that farm system for that next great Cubs team, they're not going to get you really anything. So a guy like Hap that went from if you if you overpower us we might consider it to more it's more like we just really don't have anybody else to retool with at this point and if they don't move him now then then you do end up in that situation where it's like okay now we've either got to sign him or he's going to walk away for for nothing so I still think it's going to take uh the perfect deal for them to include Ian Hap but when you mentioned the Padres, you mentioned the Mariners, two teams that get real creative and could go all in on a Soto or a Wilson Contreras Ian Hap combination, I could see him moved. But I would also not be surprised if he stuck around. I don't know about signing extension, but he, he could still be a part of that next great Cubs team. The reason I wonder about Soto to the Padres is because they, or I question whether Soto can go to the Padres, is because they from what I read, don't have the best farm system. It's kind of mediocre. So what what can they offer back, and you know what are the Nationals interested in? I, I would think the Nationals from players, forget the money, from players would be maybe most interested in the Cardinals. Yeah. Well, if you're trying to go – I mean, there's a team that just – that's what they do. They draft and develop well. The, I, I would say it's more the Cardinals from – the scope that they've got a lot of near major league or major league ready talent. When you're listing off all those guys, they've got five guys in yeah. the bigs that were recently prospects. They've got three or four guys hanging out in double triple A that could be in the major leagues. And that's what the nationals want. They don't want to keep going in this rebuild. They won a world series and now they finished and last for three straight years. You don't want to keep doing that. They're getting ready to sell the team as well. So yeah, I look at the Cardinals. You also look at the Yankees. They've got a, a cornerstone shortstop. You look at the Mets, although their best prospect is a catcher. So you don't really know for the Padres. You mentioned it, it for, for them to get that deal done they'd have to tap into the few major league prospects that they have and cj abrams who i like for the cubs or mckenzie gore who's a pitcher for them this year so i there there's a number of different combinations and and, and like we said off the top i, I imagine all 29 teams did call to, to <laughs> test the waters to see what would it take to to get this sort of guy but i I don't know if Moselock's got uh, Moselock or the DeWitt family has the stomach for that sort of a deal that it would take to to do that because they brought up Albert Pujols, out they brought up Bob Gibson, they brought up Stan Usual. Outside of that, they haven't signed or traded four superstars to come to St. Louis. A texture says, uh, and maybe this came in before we arrived at the point, but a texture of the Castle Heating and Cooling text line says the Cardinals have no pitching. They don't need a guy who hits. They need guys who can pitch. You're right. They need pitching right now, but you need – everybody needs a Juan Soto for not just for right now, but for the next two, three, five, seven, ten years. That and – I th this is a, a bad comparison, but – the Braves didn't have the most outstanding pitching staff last year, and they won a World Series. Yeah. Charlie Morton was solid. You know, Max Fried's very good. Ian Anderson, you know, all, all good pitchers. But 
Adam Wainwright's been a pretty good pitcher for about two decades now. Miles Michaelis might be having his best season of all time. You really just got to get to that back end of the bullpen for the Cardinals. And I think you bring in a Patrick Corbin who can they, – they made two nondescript moves at the deadline last year, and they were two of the best pitchers in the National League in the second half, and Jay Happ and John Lester. I mean, they just shoved. I don't know if it was system, if it was change of scenery, whatever it was, but – you can add a pitcher, and yeah, that's fine and dandy, but I don't think Luis Castillo's getting added to the Cardinals. I just don't think that's a move that the Reds want to make in division. Mm. And outside of that, I'm forgetting somebody, there's not a whole lot of difference makers for pitchers. And again, those guys only pitch every three or fourth day. Juan Soto's going to give you four or five at-bats every single game. Luis Castillo to the White Sox? Maybe. that That's one, the, the big dogs both both want a starting pitcher and the Yankees you would think when uh, kind of in the similar boat as the Cardinals it's like when are you going to go for it this might be the year for them to go for it and the Dodgers always want as much talent as they can possibly have so they could be in the the Luis Castillo race as well yeah I I think the White Sox have got to make a move for another starting pitcher they just do not have enough they even if they start and I'll credit them for not folding after losing the first two to Cleveland. But those were kind of – I'm going to go ahead and say, this was kind of a must-win series. So at least you didn't fold after dropping the first two. Uh, but you got to be better in these – every opportunity, they're just not meeting it. And uh. That's that's the, the story for two or three weeks from now, right? They go into a series, they should play good, they kind of fall asleep for the first couple games, and then they wake up and they, they bounce back. I was really disappointed – I thought they could make just a small move over the deadline. Just give that clubhouse something else, just a little bit of spirit or something that, hey, you know, they still believe in us because they're still 500. We're a week away. And as you said, the pitching staff, Dylan Cease, could be a a sneaky AL Cy Young Award winner. But how many Cy Young Award winners didn't weren't all stars? That'd be a fun thing to look up. Uh, and there's that was a recent trivia question. I can't remember where I saw it was. It's a very, very short list. But, yeah, uh, the White Sox could make a move anywhere. They could add a bat. They could add, a, add an, a bullpen arm. They could add a rotation piece. But how they go about doing that, uh, we'll, we'll see. Yep. All right. Um, we've got more here on this first hour of Sports Talk. Steve Kelly and the crew are in on the second half of the program after 5 PM. I have a question, though. Have you been hanging out much in your basement right now? Well, maybe not because it's summertime. You won't be outside, and uh, but maybe in the wintertime, that's a space you might like to upgrade or finish out. See you under construction can help you with that. This is actually a good time right now to start thinking about your basement. Even just get somebody over to look at it and give you an idea of what would need to be done if you want to finish something or do a redo. See you under construction recommending right now is a good time to just start thinking about what can be done in your basement. They can help you conceptualize. They can help you plan out things. They can let you know where the electric and the plumbing and all that stuff uh, works together there or would need to be uh, changed up because they've got the experts on those right in-house as well. So see you under construction. Now's a good time to get on the radar so that uh, when it comes to a winter 
you aren't doing the uh, the redo of the basement when you want to be in your basement already because you're indoors. Give them a call or just look them up online. You can Google them, see you under construction. Find them at seeyouunderconstruction.com. This is Sports Talk. I am Scott. He is Evan. And you are an appreciated listener. Thanks so much for being here. Football camp will start soon for Illinois. I don't know that they've put out the official calendar for uh, for training camp, but obviously with the August 27th opener, it's coming up upon us probably sometime this weekend or so. And what is it, four weeks? Yeah. Four weeks three, out, I th- think. Three. Yeah. 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 They get to start earlier because it's a week zero. Week one A. <clears throat> So that's why they get to start ahead of everybody else. Barry Lunny Jr., new offensive coordinator, and we'll have a few extra wide receivers in his room as well as Brett Bielma confirmed today the transfer of Jonah Morris. Also, uh, Casey uh, Cody Case out of South Dakota. So here's Barry Lunny Jr. ready to get after it. We've been around our players and, and had some time with them, but it's been very you know, sectionalized and compartmentalized and uh, to be able to get back and, uh, you know, have unlimited time with meetings and on the field, uh, we've got a lot of work to do. And so that's the part I'm looking most forward to is just getting in a flow of, on a day in and day out teaching, uh, recall, push, uh, install, all those types of things that requires you to get ready for your first game. Brett confirmed the two wide receiver transfer additions. What stands out? Like what did you guys see on film that thought that would be a good fit? Here? Well, I think maturity. I think that's probably the obvious answer between for both of them. They both had – you know, are older and guys that have had a lot of experience in playing, uh, you know, football games. And, uh, the, you know, it's probably something that if you just looked at our roster overall that maybe we were a little bit short on. And so uh, when we looked to maybe supplement our roster in general at that position, we just we probably erred towards the side of guys that are a little bit more mature. And um, and so uh, we're anxious to see those guys and see what they can do. And I tell you, the guys that were here with us in the spring, you can tell that they've worked hard on throwing and catching and I'm pleased with what they did over the summertime, and now it's time to go to work. Does it feel like a lot of those wide receiver positions are up for grabs? I think all of our positions are up for grabs, you know. I mean, that's that's the way you got to function on a daily basis. You know, running back, quarterback, you know, offensive lineman. I mean, you got to have competition, and, and that's the one position that just organically you can afford to play more guys, Yeah, you know, because of the nature of the way they run, and especially when you're trying to push the pace a little bit. So, uh, you know, depth is something that we always are looking to add and quality depth and competition. And so it'll all end up shaking itself out, you know, the course of time. It always does. Uh, this time of year, there's always speculation. And, um, you know, even the coaches to some degree have a speculation on what how it's going to unfold. And ultimately, it unfolds itself on the field through repetitions, and it'll happen at that position. I'm really not sure who the third receiver is right now. Mm-hmm. I, I assume Isaiah, obviously Isaiah Williams and Casey Washington. I, check, I assume. Check. Yeah, no, no questions there. Who after that? I, I, they liked Pat Bryant last year. Yep. Uh, Kamari Thompson has been around now a while, and and you know, and Brian Hightower, and you know, injuries and just all that stuff. Seeing the field or not, um, the rest of them are pretty young. Brett Bielma referenced Sean Miller working his way back. Uh, yeah, because he got hurt a little yeah, bit in spring, right? Yep. Yeah, um, and again, he's a freshman. I mean, Hank Beatty. My boy, you know, <laughs> but he's a freshman. <laughs> I 
So they bring in these uh, experienced receivers, albeit at smaller programs. You, you, I think it's kind of throw at the wall, see what sticks kind of thing here in the wide receiver spot. And we know they're going to run the football anyway. That is, yeah, uh, with the way that the team lines up, having two receivers, that's a, that's a pretty good start because odds are they're going to have a tight end on the field a lot of the time, maybe even two tight ends, and maybe two running backs as well. So then you start running out of uh, guys to have on the field. So uh, wide open competition by the mature guys it sounds like they need some guys to step in right away and play some of those older guys can probably learn the the playbook or, or specific parts of the playbook really quick you can play them right away whereas maybe towards the end of the season they hope some younger guys can figure it out and, and work their way in but they're going to hang their hat on running the football and I think getting it into Isaiah Williams hands as many times as they possibly can Casey Washington's a nice big body on the outside as well and whoever can show up and do something three through eight on the wide receiver depth chart they'll get the play in time another preseason poll came out the one that cleveland.com puts together every year and has a line I tabbed sixth in the big 10 west may I submit that Illinois might be a better sixth-place team this year than the fifth-place team they were last year. Oh, yeah. I, I think the West as a whole is going to be better. You, you think about Minnesota finished second, Illinois beat them, and I don't even think that was a great Minnesota team. They didn't have Ibrahim after whatever that was, week two, week three. He was out really early. Iowa, I still don't know if they've got the quarterback position figured out, but they'll still be really good. Wisconsin, you figure, might be a little bit better. Maybe Graham Mertz finally puts it all together. Purdue's finally got their quarterback situation figured out, so maybe they'll be a, a more consistent 9-4 and four than they were last year, and, and you can't count on Nebraska and Northwestern to go 1-9 and nine again, so... Yeah, I imagine that the the West will be more competitive, and, and Illinois finishing sixth wouldn't be that surprising, but I also think they could beat a couple of those teams that I listed off. Yeah, it's probably all going to be in the what kind of sixth are you? How do you look? Yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to stomach more just close losses, and golly gee, we were almost there, but at the same time, I don't know that you could just expect Illinois to come out and, and steamroll. So how you don't want, you just don't want to get rolled like we we were seeing in the last few years in the in the Lovey Smith era. And Purdue to me is really interesting because they're trying to be not the rest of the Big Ten West. At least right now, <laughs> they've gone after uh, great receivers in the last several years. They've got a very good quarterback. He may he may end up being the best quarterback in the Big Ten West and maybe the second-best quarterback in the conference. Uh, well, yeah. it seems like Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa at least are trying to play the same game. And, <laughs> and Minnesota, they've got the horse in the running back. They've got a good quarterback. There's questions around their offensive line. So they're kind of which, which way are they? Mm -hmm. Are they kind of Wisconsin-ish and Iowa-ish, or are they trying to be a little more? And then who knows with Nebraska. I mean, Nebraska could be could be really good but they're under sort of this dark cloud all the time and i'm here for it well and, and now that you bring up purdue i mean you think about it they lost bell they lost karlofkis uh, I, I don't i think they lost another guy on the defensive side so those aren't easy guys to replace so maybe nine and four won't be as easy to attain this year as it was last year yeah i i 
yeah, it it seems like Wisconsin and Iowa are the top tier, and then your what Purdue, Minnesota, maybe Nebraska is your next tier. And then mm-hmm. Where's Illinois and Northwestern going to be? And who yep. am I? Am I forgetting anybody? But I think that's seven. No, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, media days kick off tomorrow. We'll let you know what uh, Kevin Warren has to say. If anything, he will be touting his Big Ten conference, which you know what, just just uh, snagged USC and UCLA. So the, <laughs> the Big Ten conference is looking to be all right, and the brand of football they are playing is pretty high level and one of the best in the country. So there is plenty that they can uh, hang their head high about when it comes to what is the future of the Big 16. We'll Big transition 16. in a moment. Okay, in the midst of alternate helmets being unveiled for the NFL because they, too, need to keep up in the news cycle, mm-hmm. the uh, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot has unveiled proposals to use Soldier Field and try and entice the Bears to stay on Chicago's downtown lakefront by unveiling renderings of a domed or semi-domed uh, Soldier Field and... Um, I just don't have a stomach for it. Actually, the renderings are eh, they're intriguing to me because I kind of like that stuff. But um, you, you, you've messed this up enough. <laughs> just get get out of there. Yeah. Are, are they gonna Are they gonna pay the Bears for all that money that they spent on Arlington Heights? I I highly doubt it. I, I yeah, mean, that's this the is, thing. The Bears want their own place. This is this is like the the spouse who brings you the divorce papers, and you're like, no, I can change. It's like the papers are already here. I'm going <laughs> to sign them. It's over. It doesn't matter what you're going to change. You're not going to change. So nice try. Yeah, but as we open the show, there may be some regret for you <laughs> on the other side. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be regret getting out out of Soldier Field. As you mentioned, no parking, terrible to access, just not a an area for fans. So long, Soldier Field, whenever it comes. All right. So long to all of you. We are back tomorrow at 4 o'clock. The News Gazette sports writers are waiting in the wings. WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, here's news.